Damo, if I said to you I was incredibly, bitterly disappointed at the moment about the scandal that has rocked our beloved football club, what would I be talking about? You'd be talking about any number of things. Um, I'll just preface that by saying I now understand why they call it a mid-season break because you go away, come back, and everything's fucking broken. <laughs> you'd be talking about the media. You'd be talking about Dugowie. You'd be talking about TikTok trends. Take your pick, Alex Watkins. No. What are you? What are you? What are you bitter about? None of them, Demo. None of those. None. Okay. Demo, I'm really very bitterly disappointed <laughs> for John Noble. <laughs> the pillow talk yep. TikTok session mm. would have been mm. a terrific bonding opportunity between pepper and salt, mm. but none other than Ginevan has crept in there and cuckolded our beloved salt. <laughs> an interloper in the night. I don't know what yeah. those boys are doing lying in bed, Piers at mm. least semi-naked, giggling at the screen. But I'm hoping this app you can enlighten me on. We, we might get into that. We might some of the trends, that. the modern trends of uh, social mm. media. Look, we're, we're, putting on a, we're putting on a brave face to begin the episode, but let's hope things get dark soon because we've got some venting to do. This is Pyard. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. Bob's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. Because we don't have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable in myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut. Shut up. Now I know what you're thinking, Alex and listeners. Not another goddamn 40 minutes on the Dugowie saga, but this is no ordinary football program. This is Pie Hard. Mm. And for those who listen to Pie Hard, you know that we are officially Collingwood's other spiritual home. We're the podcast that connects the dots on the world of culture with the Collingwood Football Club. We bring you the hidden stories, the strange beauty and offbeat culture of the Pies and Beyond. And it would be remiss of us not to dive into this mid-season break podcast, the special mid-season break podcast, without uh, exploring and ripping the lid off a couple of the big topics at the moment. Before we do, let's start with a hard no. Mm. And my hard no this week is on video apologies. Okay. Now, I'm talking about the video apology that the club released today with Ginevan and Quainor. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have. It is the most fucking twisted Video, I think I've ever seen the Collingwood Football Club put out. Did they actually and release it on the Collingwood Football Club platforms? Yeah, yeah. It was like it was all over the website and the socials. It just annoys me that you can see them reading. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't they, smack they, of it's not, genuineness. It's, and it's not, and it's not that, and it's not that. It's not the lack of genuineness. It's not the fact that they were reading. They just shouldn't be. They shouldn't have been put. Mm. In front of that camera to give a, a an apology like that. You one, think they were not, fed to the wolves? 
not for the crime, but also too, they're just super young guys. Mm. Like they're, they're, they're in the early stages of the career. They don't need to be held up by the Collingwood Football Club as an example of, you know, all the things that are wrong with the club, all the things that they're fixing at the moment. And I think just the club to put forward those guys and have them deliver that um, apology is just one of the most twisted things I've seen the Collingwood Football Club do recently. See, and and we've seen the Collingwood Football Club do a lot of twisted fucking things. I don't know, Damo. I don't Ooh, know. I'm not what's really, your take on this? I'm not really with you on that. Like, I watched it. I thought it was an opportunity, obviously, for them to own their behaviour and regardless of what you think about what they did, having them front up on camera, it does, it does kind of put the ball back in their court and it shows that they're grown-ups. But I think the genius of it was that they don't look like grown-ups. They look like middle school children. I mean, they, 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 they were cute in the video itself, um, which, you know, depending on your perspective, I tend to think it was pretty demeaning of women. But mm. in the apology video, they just look like little cherubs, and it's it's very disarming to see them in that uh, in that context. I think um, having to kind of read out this long winded apology um, when you know they barely even <laughs> they barely even graduated from school, um, it it smacked of kind of being sent to the headmaster's office. I thought, is that not something? Is that not something that's just you know the club? within the four walls, pulls them aside and says, look, we completely understand what you were doing and what you were taking part in. Part in. We but, have no issue but they with don't, that. They don't, the club would have no idea what the fuck. I've got no idea what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, well, that's that's part of the problem, isn't it? Like you can't, you can't police a club with having no understanding of what's going on, you know, in the wider world and the wider world of culture. And what those guys are doing. Those guys participate in culture. They build culture. They are the ones pushing culture forward. So to reprimand them for for doing that, I think to, to my earlier culture. point, to I'm my not. earlier to my earlier point, it's something that you deal with within the four walls. You don't turn that into social content. No, I just think they wanted to hit it on the head straight away. And you, the Dagoe thing got legs. We'll get into that. Massive legs over a, a few days. This other distraction they had to hit on the head. You know they rolled them out there. These disarming, you no know, juveniles. No, no one's. No one can really take issue with those boys now. They've done their apology. It's behind them. No one's calling for their heads. Let's get rid of that issue so we can, we can then turn our attention to to Goey. Mm. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind. It's an embarrassing scenario, and at worst, I think. Um, but look, there are bigger fish to fry, and that that fish is Jordan Dugowie and, um, well, he's made himself a target again. Damo, what, what were your thoughts when the news broke? Um, my first thought was that this was going to have a big, big um, flow and effect with Collingwood sponsors, and I'll tell you why. Mm. Internally, Collingwood's been putting a shit ton of work in around basically rebranding the club and restructuring the club as a not just a football club, but a, a singular club that oversees all facets of the Collingwood program. Mm. From from the men's football program to the women's football programming to to wheelchair football to netball, 
the club sees itself as as one now. It no longer sees itself as just a football club. And they've they've that's that's a that's a strategy that's been around for a couple of years now, made by many. So automatically, the Dugowie sort of incident, I, I knew that that was going to go down very badly. And mm. and and this is not a this is not an argue this is not a um this is not a, a pointed take on what he did per se or whether it was right or wrong or whether it was or the people that was involved. You could just like. You'd be you'd be a moron to think that that wasn't going to have a seismic kind of you know tremor through the Collingwood Football Club with everything that they've been talking about. The second bit mm. I thought about was sponsors. Now we know that there's a couple of major sponsors at the football club who have I wouldn't say threatened to walk, but really um, put the put the put the lamp put the the blowtorch on Collingwood to not only get things under control within the club, but um, to do the right thing, to do the right thing when it comes to like inclusion, to do the right thing when it comes to racism, to do the right thing when it comes to diversity and, and um, you know, investment in women's sport and football. And we know that the last Degoe incident in New York was a really telling inflection point for one of these sponsors mm-hmm. um, who pulled a no. campaign that they were run they were, that they were about to run. I won't name who the sponsor is. No. I don't want to give away any sources. <laughs> okay. So the fact and, and and that was called out. Like the Dugowie situation in New York was was basically the final straw that sort of sunk that that planned activity with that sponsor. Okay. So as soon as the Dugowie incident happened again, I thought of that sponsor and I thought the Collingwood Football Club, regardless of the external noise, regardless of the media, regardless of your perspective on Twitter. Collingwood Football Club is going to go go into damage control, and I think that's evident by the length of time it took Collingwood to actually come out and address this story with a statement. Yeah, um, it's only come through today; it's Tuesday, and that's because they would have been they would have gone out to all of their major sponsors, and there would have been some very tense conversations. I know it's been prickly with a lot of sponsors and, mm. and Collingwood in the past. So that's the two things I thought of. I thought of, um, you know, what happened in Bali, and I, I've got to say, Piehard rode this like a, like a regal steer. Um, I, do you yeah. remember we did a, we did a hard yes? I, I got a shout out to a good friend of the pod just to lighten the mood a little bit. Friend of the pod, Sergio Montoro. Mm. Do you remember we did a hard ask on the seventh of June? And we asked, which current player would you choose to join on their mid-season break and where would you go? Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sergio wrote back and he said, Bali to get warm with Jordan Dugowie. <laughs> it, it got warm, Sergio. Oh, it yeah. got very warm. Serge, we should have sent you over there as a chaperone because <laughs> old Dazza from Finn's Beach Club really let us down. That was the other that we had, and just for those, for that context, we had... We had some shooters in Bali, um, a couple that worked at, at, at Finn's Beach Club, and we we put the we put the message out: Dugowie's in town. Can you just make sure everything's okay? Like yeah. a little bit worried. Can you just make sure everything? No worries. Darren's on it. <laughs> and I, I got to say, Daz, if you're listening, if you're listening from Bali, <laughs> I think that Daz just. Added some more Malibu to the Malibu and Pines. I, I think Darren, Darren, Darren's idea of looking after the situation was walking around the nightclub with shots, yeah, you know, like exactly. and and lighting them up. Um, 
but uh, it was interesting too. We were also told, I mean, this came out yesterday, but we're told that Moore and um, Elliot were also in Bali, which... Yeah, look, I don't have an issue at all with the club allowing adults to I don't think anyone does. Adult decisions. And I don't think anyone I think if you've got players that you feel that you have to mollycoddle and, like, treat like school kids, that's a problem, you know? So... Fly McRae coming in blank slate and saying, look, we're going to treat everyone as adults. You know, I agree with that. But I thought your commercial perspective on it was was interesting. My first reaction was more along the personal lines. And I think it's interesting if you look at social media now, Damo, um, the divide between Collingwood supporters. You know, a lot of Collingwood supporters are annoyed and, and upset and probably just a bit over the whole you know, ongoing Dugowie saga in all its forms. And a lot of other Collingwood supporters are fiercely defensive of the fact he didn't do anything wrong, nothing criminal, et cetera, et cetera. And mm. I think that my take is, you know, in isolation, the media storm around this may well be an overreaction. Mm. But it's not in I isolation. Like mm. do, nothing Dugowie does is ever going to be in isolation ever again as long as he plays for Collingwood. It's in the context of... You know, his failure as an individual over many years now to comprehend his place in the scheme of things. You know, there's th- I think there's thousands of young men, it wouldn't be an exaggeration, that in nightclubs around Australia and Southeast Asia on the weekend would have performed the cunnilingus fork and potentially joked around disrespectfully with their mates, female and male. Hmm. So I think that a lot of people think, you know, Jordan's just one of one of many. I think that he is one of many. But the problem is he's not one of many. He is a star in the biggest club in the land. He's a hero of thousands and thousands of young kids. He's a gladiator who performs in front of, in front of millions of people, you know, in any given year. He's paid handsomely for it because of the TV rights, because of the sponsorships, which you touched on, and the whole commercial machine of the AFL. And if, if you put all that into a package of what Jordan Degoe's life is now, the reality is he will always be held to a higher standard than all those other blokes that are allowed mm. to be bogan out there. Um, and I think for some reason, it's not for me the fact that the penny needs to drop with Jordan Degoe for him to change his behaviours and his perspective on the world mm. because the reality is like I don't really care what he does mm. like he's he's a bogan he honestly doesn't understand what these societal standards are or why everyone's on his back what i care about is the distraction for the club i care mm. because i'm personally sick of hearing about it it's it's not that hard from my point of view to pull your head in and take a nice quiet romantic cheese tasting trip to the Arrow valley mid-season take one for the team literally take one for the team Jordy. and so you know, there's there's two threads. People want him to change. The club wants him to change and adapt and and be a more of a role model. I couldn't give a shit about that. Just don't, just don't get caught out being a dirty bogan and don't video it. What's with this generation? And the same goes for the TikTok Queen or Ginevan thing. What's with this generation's lack of understanding that like videoing yourself, you know, in compromising positions is a dangerous thing to do. It seems absolutely mind-boggling to me that they actually take these videos. I don't know who's releasing them. Um, but yeah, look, so you, I guess you could detect a bit of frustration in my voice because I'm a bit sick of it. 
and I think it's going to play out. It's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how it plays out. I just I think with a video comment, I think it's easy to cast judgment if you if you haven't grown up with that um, in your life and surrounding your life. I think it's very easy to go just put the phone away. Like it's it's kind of a it's a classic comment. Like don't film it. Go out have fun. Don't film it. But that's not that's not the reality of the life of a you know. 26 year old or a 22 year old or a 21 year old mm. that it's, it's a different it's 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 a it's a form of language it's a form of communication it's not a it's they don't approach it like that it's it's not you can't come you can't have that conversation it's like but life you know. is recorded and life is kind of yeah but also that's all they've, that's all they've ever known like they grew up with smartphones mm. You know, they didn't. They didn't receive a, a, a Nokia thirty two ten or a fifty two ten and play Snake when they were eighteen. Like they, these guys have grown up with TikTok. They've grown up with YouTube. They've grown up with smartphones. It's 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 an, a, an extension of who they are. It's an extension of their personality. So you can't you can't sit there and say you know like put the phone away. It, it doesn't work like that. I, I think there's education around mm. it. Um, mm. And it's again, it just comes down to smart choices. I think if anything, it's about it's about just making decisions and, and yeah. being in control of that. And clearly that's something that Jordan has struggled with and does struggle with. And And there's been a um, reference to ADHD in that regard, in terms of being able to unpack his own choices. So just just unpacking it a little bit and without going over old ground, how much do you think that Two questions. Mm. How much do you think his proactive statement um, released over the weekend riled the Collingwood Football Club? And two, do you think the $25,000 suspended fine for the rest of the season is an adequate adequate um, uh, penalty? Well, I think it did rile the club in the same sense that what riled me about the whole affair is that Jordan doesn't understand that his place in the universe means that he can't act like any other 26-year-old. He just can't. If he wants to take the fame and the riches and and be a hero, you know, and part of our club, you, you just can't behave like every other 26-year-old. So that statement he put out just showed glaringly that he didn't get I don't think he gets it. Like, he just doesn't get that. So I think the club that robbed them of a chance perhaps to come out proactively um, with him to apologize or to kind of tackle in a different manner. Mm. Um, As far as 25,000, I thought it was interesting that, I don't know whether the club put it out as a statement, a tweet or what it was, but there was some confusion this afternoon in the football media because it said something along the lines of Jordan Degoe is being fined $25,000, suspended until the end of the season. And a lot of people took that to mean he'd, been fined and suspended from playing. Um, I think a lot of journos actually ran with that, that he'd been suspended for the rest of the season as a bit of a hoopla. The football club went back and edited. They took out the comma and they put in fined $25,000, which was suspended, which is suspended to the end of the season. Yeah. Anyway, interesting little grammatical um, clusterfuck there. But I've got some solutions, Damo. I don't want to be dragging down the the tone of the pod mm, um, mm, no. all evening. So couple of solutions that um, just sprang to mind. One is I'm thinking, who who do we know that we could we could get to goey together with, who could start to try and get through to him? Who's he going to listen to? Who's been in a similar scenario? 
who might have some wisdom to impart. And I, I genuinely came upon Alan Didak. I thought, what better idea to get a past hero who's been through the media ringer? Everything Didak did for about seven years was just laden with controversy. I'm mm. thinking spend a weekend with Didak, grab a Nest Cafe together and discuss things in depth down at the Comancheros Coburg North chapter. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Choco Williams. That, that was my that was my pick. Yeah, okay. Well, he, Choco is a good one too. He's known for one. One Choco Choco should return to the nest. He should return to Collingwood. Mm. He's a past Collingwood man. He should come back. Two, he's played that really successful sort of elderly mentoring role with Dustin Martin. Um, you know, he's he's cited by a lot of Port Adelaide players as a a really tough but fair. Um, mentor. Sort of father, father figure mentor. Yeah. Um, really good with uh, some of the players who are sort of, you know, maybe the penny doesn't drop that fast, or maybe they're just not smart, or maybe they just don't get it, or maybe mm. they come from come from a, um, you know, a, an isolated background or a regional background. Apparently, he's one of the best in the business of doing that. I don't know where he's currently at the Me- fledgling Melbourne. Well, he club. was at Melbourne, right? Melbourne yeah. Football okay. Club. I don't know if Casey. he still is, but Casey? That, as a football club, I mean, you can keep coming out with these statements and you can keep doing the counselling, but like, at what point do you do you call Choco Williams and just go, look, hey, if this kid's going to listen to anyone, it's going to be you. We'd love to have you back in the club. We think you'd add a lot. There's an additional kind of soft cap lightning. Uh, you know, the soft cap's been lightened now. I think there's an, an additional 500 grand that, that clubs can spend on coaching. I mean, it just makes total sense, right? And I think... I mean, Choco's not young, though. I mean, he's a guy like to go. There's no guarantee he's going to connect with, like, a 65-year-old, you know, dude that played in the 80s who doesn't understand either about videos and TikTok, you know? Yeah. But I, I thought another, just going with the chaperone idea, and it just kind of came to me then, you know when players, we've talked about this, first get to the club and they get billeted. Yeah. I think... To billet Dugowie. Imagine if Dugowie on his mid-season trip, rather than going to Bali, he'd been billeted to Jack Crisp's house, who's got <laughs> like nine kids. And there's yeah. there's nothing like children and the responsibility of a family household and having to like cook and clean up and like, you know, rock them to sleep. Like there's nothing like kids to really put a dampener on those club vibes. <laughs> I think you shared the, was it you that shared on the, on the group chat, the, um, the player shout out to the netballers that were playing um, a big final on Sunday. Did you, oh, you yeah, remember yeah, that the video? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's basically, it, was, that, yeah. all, it was all the players, was all the players on leave in like Port Douglas, like <laughs> sunny locations. And Palm Jack trees. Crisp, Jack Crisp was out the front of like, it was an IGA. Um, <laughs> With like a bag Bandura. of groceries, he, he was doing the, you know, he was doing the parental yeah, nap, nap, nappy run. Yeah. And it was just, and then there was another photo, I think he, he went to the snow with his family and it's like, yeah, look, I think billeting is a great idea. I don't know if <laughs> Jordan Dugowie in the uh, crisp house, household could, could have some, uh, I don't know how that would go either, but look, um, great suggestion of bringing back the chaperones and. Choco Williams or Alan Didak. I think it's a great idea. Are we at the stage where we send out an SOS or are we, we good? Oh, bloody oath. Save Geordie's soul. I know 
Fly McRae isn't big on the more traditional milestones, but we have a big one coming up, the game on Sunday. Braden Maynard, mm. future captain in waiting. You heard that first on Pie Hard about 17 episodes ago. Definitely is like the, um, you know, the, the Prince William of the, of the royal thing. Like just skip Charles. You should just go straight to William. Does that make sense? I think, I think Collingwood should skip Pender. He's got Pender a bit more of that angry Prince Harry vibe, doesn't he? Yeah, a little bit. But he should. My point is, he should. They should skip Taylor Adams or Darcy Moore and just go straight to Maynard with the captaincy. I yeah. think that's that's what the club needs. He t- he's playing his hundred and fiftieth game, and hard yes this week. Just with all the shit that's going on, and this is being buried in the lead. But uh, god damn it, one of our one of our favourite Collingwood footballers. You know, the first in when there's a melee, the first in when there's when there's a fight. Mm. Can have a drink and deliver a uh, a booze fueled Copeland Trophy um, uh, speech, but no one gets injured. Can he? I don't think nothing, I've seen that. Nothing gets leaked. Oh, you haven't seen that. You have to. You have not have seen that. Maynard on the Terps at the at the Copeland. It's like a fa- It's like a famous, like you know, sort of nervous, drunken. Yeah, well, I don't picture. He's not. I'm not. I don't think he's a media before. I'm not sure how it'd go with the media responsibilities of fronting up to press conferences. But the heart and soul factor in spades. I feel like he might be a better vice under someone like Darcy Moore who's more cerebral, but we can agree to disagree. Yeah, if we can agree to disagree. I think let's all agree that our hard yes and our big heart felt. Let's agree that our hard yes is mm. a positive story. Braden Maynard playing 150 games this week against the Giants. Couldn't be prouder. It was like he was playing a different sport, twisting and turning that long, evasive body, shirt untucked, always shirt untucked, those flowing curls like a luscious, bouncing doormat down the back of his neck. Like Bradley Cooper from Limitless, it was as if his footy IQ was pumping through his mind quicker, more creatively, more spontaneously than any other. Limitless. A wrong pocket outside metatarsal banana kick invented in a split second to take into account a myriad of variables. Corralled by hapless, hopeless opponents, as if he had time to conduct a lesson in physics, even in the highest pressure moments. At a throbbing Vic Park, or in big finals and grand finals, when the laws of the universe could only bend to his football savant vision. And there we'd all watch from the outer, or on TV, spellbound for eternity in a day, by that sheer, unlikely magic. We get to see it in glimpses now, in his sons, twisting and turning Josh, limitless Nick, the chosen one, and like a catchy pop hit that animated our salad days. It brings a tear to our eye, a throb to our heart, and it makes our feet dance like our hero did, like Dakes. So put your feet up and settle in for a night on the couch. This is Dacos Magic.
How about that for a soundtrack oh. demo? What? Is this like some 80s synth kind of... I actually, when I was watching this, I tried to Shazam the songs mm. and it worked. It wouldn't be actual just... songs, would they? No, no, it's library music. And it just comes oh, up as it? like Muzak. Yeah, it comes up as like recorded library music. So you can actually Shazam Dacos Magic because I wanted to get those tracks. There's one, we've got, we'll play it, we'll play it. Oh, um, yeah, I know the one the magic, you're talking about. Through the magic of editing, we're going we're gonna to squeeze it in there. But it's the most, it's kind of like this otherworldly sort of um, robotic kind of synth thing and it just stitches together. And I'm going to ask you a question, Alex. Is this the high watermark of VHS brilliance? Oh, it is, isn't it, Demo? I mean, it really is. It just brings back, it's, it's nostalgia, it's visionary, um, it's storytelling, and it's all in this really um, kind of slightly warped vhs look, which I think is fantastic with a slightly fuzzy soundtrack. Um, there's just something about that era of like VHS, AFL, VFL highlights, reels and and movies and there was a bunch of them remember there was like was it like spectacular 70s or something amazing 80s there was mm. dacos magic hot shots was i reckon the sequel to dacos magic dacos magic yeah um it was the high watermark for a lot of things and i would go so far to say the high watermark for eddie mcguire's media career who i'd mm. forgotten does the voiceover until i rewatched on the weekend Peter Dacos was born in 1961 to Phyllis and Stan Dacos, who had arrived in Australia from Macedonia in the 50s. At that stage of his life, his parents could never have dreamt that their young son, who started kicking a ball around the Fitzroy Primary School, would one day go on and become one of the most skilled and loved players to play in the Australian Football League. It's insane to think that, you know, like, I mean, how much do you love watching highlights on on socials, right? Like whether it's like Leon Davis, you know, a, a, a um, compilation of Leon Davis's goals or whether it's the highlights from the match. I mean, back then to have, and I think I didn't count this, but there must be like 80 goals, mm. right, that are, that are featured in, in Dacos Magic. But didn't you find that they repeat quite a lot of them? Because I started Listen, 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 there was some filler. There was some Dakes filler in there. But I've got to say, for the most part, um, it was it was just extraordinary to watch. But to have that as a single point like that, it's just a, it's like a really awesome sort of like testament to the time. Mm. Because I mean, like we should get in, we should get into our highlights. Because I mean, there's there's so there's so many from watching. And I watched it last night. I I watched it on my phone in bed. I gotta admit, this is, wasn't it wasn't a high fidelity setup or anything like that. I was just like, shit, I haven't done this. We're doing this thing tomorrow. I need to jump onto it. But the very the very first thing is just how raw um, the sequence with Dacos's parents oh. is. Like for like for example, Stan is wearing like light blue running shorts. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like there was, again back then there was no like thought, not even of a stylist, but no thought of like saying, "Hey Stan, this is going to go on tape." That might have been his dress ups. That might have been maybe like, that was him yeah, yeah. getting formalized for the occasion. And, and ab- absolutely, but even Peter for his like sit down, you know, mid shot upwards, uh, yeah, yeah. 
He's got, he's just got some really weird patterned white shirt. Mate, did you notice? Do you know what I noticed? Fuck me. What? I'm what? looking at that shirt and no shit. To... It occurred to me that those panels um, with these kind of graphical elements on them are mm. quite possibly the runes from the Dacosian calendar. There's like a yeah. snake, a buffalo, yeah, sundial, a scorpion. I mean, that's I think it's that. It's pretty pixelated, but... I love that style, and there's there's several photos that do the rounds on the internet, or that you've dug up over the years for Instagram, mm. of Dakes wearing great shirts. He's a good shirt man. Um, but back to Stan, Stan Dakos, he's just beaming with pride. But could mm. you understand a word he said? <laughs> no, no. I thought uh, this was was this the day? It was these are the days before they had closed captioning. Is that right? Because it would have it would have benefited from some subtitles, but. He didn't say a lot. That's the main thing. So you didn't understand any of it, but he didn't say a lot for you to misunderstand. I think no. that's the main. That's the Phyllis main point. was Phyllis Dacos's mum. She was, was glowing. More verbose in such a charming way. He used to kick all day and night, all the toilet paper, his socks, and everything. I used to say, "Shame yourself, Peter." He never stopped. Always he jumped, made trouble. Mom, leave him alone. And the first response to our hard asks this afternoon was from Michael Rakavalis. And the question was, what's your favorite insight from this VHS masterpiece, Dacos Magic? Michael says, has to be kicking the socks around the house. Nice to know your heroes <laughs> did the same thing. And I love mm-hmm. that from Michael. Um, there's mm. something so endearing seeing the, the folks in general. But the, the other thing was they presumably they would have, would have had very little idea about AFL and what the hell young Peter was actually doing as he kind of galloped around the house, kicking banana, you know, socks through the door. Mm, mm. I mean, it would have been a really foreign and, you know, I suppose that's part of the, the context of that story and the Dacos name that we, we've grown to love over our lifetime is that it's a fantastic immigrant story as mm. well, the Macedonian yeah. marvel um, and the fact we embrace that side of it. It's just brilliant to see Stan and Phyllis immortalized on the VHS. Yeah, great, and you know, unique to have his two parents. You know, because they could have played a, a, a smaller role in that VHS, but really, they underpin the first half. Mm. Like they are, they are, they are so prevalent. They're so featured. I mean, there's not many people in it. Right? There's only Dacos and his, and his parents with Eddie's VO. But I've, I've got to say, one of the things that I absolutely really stuck out for me and maybe this is getting a little bit too far down but his 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 gruesome knee injury which they just played like it was repeated like four or five times it's like him running up into a pack trying to kick a ball <laughs> out of standing trying to kick a ball out of thin air and connecting with someone's <laughs> legs and then sort of just crumpling down and it's yeah. it's, it's it's like grainy like a, a long shot and it kind of got me thinking and it's like I think my biggest outtake from watching Dacos Magic is just how criminally underrated mm. Peter Dacos is as a AFL footballer. Like, and I think I know why. Like, if you and I did some diving again last night, and it's like I'll just read out some stats here, and I want to talk about the the his mid twenties, mm. which is in relation to that knee injury. So here's some things to think about. In 1981, in just his second season of playing AFL football, he's 19 years old, 
He kicked 76 goals. You're joking. I didn't know that. Se- 76 goals from a flank, from a forward flank. This is a 19-year-old in his second this is season. after he didn't want to go down to training. Didn't want, didn't, want to go, didn't want to go to Collingwood. Basically wanted to play for South Melbourne. Fair enough. That's why he's so good. Again, kicking and screaming, drag him into Collingwood. It included bags of six, 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 seven in four of his first five games. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. He kicked another bag of nine in round 10. Like, I, I, I just, there's no, like, if that happened mm. now, that the player would be fated. I remember Fraser Gerrig kicking nine, like, even 15 years ago. And, and I saw him in St Kilda and just, it was a big deal to kick nine. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't no, happen anymore. So, fast forward to 1982, he's 20. Now, he kicked 58 that year, so slight drop off, but can be explained by his move into more of a, a sentiment role. So, oh, right. <laughs> he, he went from a fl- sort of attacking forward flanker to sentiment, so he spent way more time in the middle. So, this would have Still, been his short hair era. His short hair era, yeah, a little, little bit of a, um, you know, bespeckled pimply face era. Very light, very light frame, but kicked 58 goals and he kicked seven goals in one quarter. Versus the kangaroos again. Extraordinary, yeah. It's 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 absolutely insane. And then I I won't go through every season, but the the insane thing with Peter Dacos is at the peak of his powers in the mid eighties. So he Mm. would have been like twenty three, twenty four, twenty five. His career was completely curtailed by injury, and he talks about this in Dacos Magic. He talks about. The issues with his the stress fractures in his feet, the fact that he couldn't he could never recover because he kept, kept know, on having to go to the toilet. I he kept that. having to go to the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> they say he says, unfortunately, we couldn't immobilize the bottom of my feet. Uh, every time he went to the toilet or the kitchen, he'd re-stress his foot. Re, Obviously, pre-moon. Yeah. Is this pre-moon boot? There was a few yeah, like old like, <laughs> pre-moon boot. There was a few oh, throwback pre-doctor pre pre There's pre-medical a few throwback stuff. medical references. The other one mm. was. In relation to the uh, knee reco, nowadays a knee reco is seven. So he's talking in 991, I think. Mm, I think mm. it was when the interview was done, when the movie was made. Yeah. Nowadays a knee reco is seven to eight months, as Rich Osborne has proved. I don't know how Rich Osborne's <laughs> knee reco turned out for him long term, because <laughs> we've now gone back to like twelve to eighteen months um, with knees. But the that, other thing, yeah, I that, think, that 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 Lars, that whole Lars treatment sort of came and go, wasn't it? That was a yeah, bit of a had, flash had in the pan. Was that moment in the sun? Didn't didn't, didn't liver didn't liver come back in like three months or something? Isn't that the craziest? I'll fact check that. I think liver has the record of the fastest return from a knee injury, and it's like <laughs> it's something insane. All it's these poor like, ex players getting around with like mm, frayed mm, rubber bands in their mm, knees. Mm. Um, but the quote, one of the quotes in there was that unless he came good. They would slash his contract. And I love the <laughs> bluntness. I was like, Dagoe could do with a bit of bluntness coming his yeah. way. Like, unless you come good, mm. we're going to slash your contract. Slash, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's it's just, it's an ominous threat, isn't it? You can imagine Alan McAllister or Ronald McDonald or whoever it was sitting up in Vic Park and just that that blunt assessment. Not too much empathy. Not not too much of the modern approach to um to man management um there. I'll totally. finish by saying his his best ever season was, of course, 1990. So after he'd recovered and got back, kicked mm. 97 goals as a oh, small geez, forward. Close. Close. close to the time, close, yeah. And almost, almost got there and then retired in 93. But um, just, I mean, 
it's not just it's not just the the it's not just the amount of goals. No, it's the way. It's obviously he did it. with Dacos, it's the way he did it. It's the way he kicked it. Hadn't been seen. Whether it was a torpedo from mm. seventy meters out, or you know, one of the most insane. What did you say? Inverted bananas. Oh, um, well, there's a segment in there where he he invents a kick, and it was mm. in was it in the final against West Coast or the grand final. I can't remember, but basically, well, it was West Coast wasn't it? Yeah, he's in the left pocket and he kicks mm. a right banana. Mm. Running along the boundary, and he just he he dissects it. Love that segment, and he mm. talks about how he chose to kick a right banana on his right foot to open up the angle slightly, but then he had to land it on or on the line or over the line because it was bending the wrong way. I mean, no mm. one's kicked that before or since. I, I don't think, no. and it kind of goes to the heart of why I think he was so watchable. And there's a little quote, there's a little bit of commentary in Dagos Magic. I, I reckon that sounds like a lot young. Bruce McAvaney says, their champion scores like Pele. And there's something mm. in that. Like, I mm. think that what Dakes was doing was pretty new. And it still looks to me, if you watch Dakos Magic, to be a really unique style. He didn't look, he doesn't look like a brick, a brickish, like thick footballer. He's fine featured in the face. He's got long body, short legs. Um, you know, he mastered the paddle on rather than taking possession. You know, he'd mm. he'd wait until he was ready to pull the trigger, take possession, then do something outrageous. Um, it was all kind of ballistic ball movement and almost hypnotizing his opponent's snake hips. Um, and you can see, as I said in the introduction, you can see glimpses of that in, particularly at the moment, Josh Dacos, who's mm. like got this evasive quality where his first step is an evasive step. Mm. His first thought is not to dispose of the footy. Mm. Which is very Dacosian. Um but yeah, I mean just just to watch some of those highlights really drove home, you know, I guess the genius of the man and, and how quickly he was able to sum up the situation. Phyllis is asked, How did he do it? And she says, Nobody knows. <laughs> and I think <laughs> Phyllis kind of summed it up. Yeah. If there is one thing people will always remember Peter Dacos for, it is his uncanny ability to find the goals from any angle. And in the match against the Eagles, Dacos invented a new kick, which ultimately kept Collingwood in the game. Anytime getting the ball moving. Great shot by Darren Malay. In comes Brown. Collingwood lifting. Brown right on the boundary line. Back to Malay, likewise. Dacos nearly runs out of room. He scores! Magnificent goal. Peter Baker, the champ, 13-12, 12-10. I could sort of see it evolving that, that the ball was going to end up, no doubt, over the heads. And uh, Guy McKenna sort of made a, a half you know, half a lunge at, at Rowdy, went around him. So it was really basically Johnny Worsfold. The ball went over his head. And uh, I remember getting it and, and sort of I was in the pocket, so there wasn't a lot. I couldn't really centre it. I was only about... 15 yards out, so there, there wasn't a lot. I didn't really have the time to have a look anyway, and uh, I decided to have a shot, and, and a lot of people said to me, because I was on the wrong side, they, they've said, why did you kick it with your right foot? Well, I kicked it with my right foot because it opens up the angle. Had I kicked on the left foot, I would have been right on the boundary, but kicking it with my right foot, it gives me that extra two, three feet, and um, you know, opens up the goals a little bit. It might sound a bit strange, but I knew I had to get the ball as close to the line to bounce in because I was kicking a, a check side that was going to was spinning away from goal. It had to had to either bounce on the line or go just over the line. It reminded me, Damo, that the check side and the torp have kind of been made extinct. 
Hmm. And they're two exquisite skills of our game uh, and heritage of our game. And it's a real shame because some of those highlights specifically of him near the boundary, which he's famous for, but also the long top. Mm. I love the detail around Lee giving him license mm. for the long top. I reckon, I reckon, you know, given that no one's really kicking it beyond 60 these days, it'd be great to recruit a player who specifically had a long top in his arsenal. Thinking about that, his, his foot skills were exquisite left and right. Mm. Um, we talked about the check side. With the torpedo, would how would Dacos have potentially gone as a punter in the US with his ability to kick the ball a massive distance? Oh, obviously, that's hand-eye. That's like that's contact with the ball. Mm. But also, um, you know, his ability to, you know, be accurate, you know, to pinpoint. And just it, it's, it's the hypothetical of all hypotheticals, the mother of all hypotheticals. <laughs> yeah. But with that, like that's the tool, modern toolkit for a like he could have been one of the best NFL punters of all time. Like he wouldn't literally, have he chose football. He wouldn't have. He would never have stood up after that Roker tackle. That Roker tackle yeah. would have snapped Peter Dacos in half. Yeah, he would have done his done it both knees. Yeah, no, it is an interesting hypothetical. Um, yeah, I mean, an extraordinary career, and I think we we know him for his skills, and, and I'm sure you're the same. I spent. My entire childhood, and to be honest, I still do it at, mm. when I go to the park occasionally, um, just just trying to perfect that impossible angle. I mean, if yeah. as a kid, if you could see any daylight between the posts, you were being soft, like yeah. as a Collingwood supporter. You had to be like hard on the boundary near the behind post and then you'd mm. you know, find a way to, to, to spin it through you know, on the check side. But I think these days the um, the skill set of the modern player is very much around setting up, um, facing the inside of the ground and then running around on the snap. I mean, every player seems to kick that that snap kick now rather than elect yeah. the check side. Real shame. Yeah, well, well, yeah, it's the death of the check side. It's a real, I mean, we talk about all the umpiring at the moment, but, um, geez, you'd love to see a little bit more of the check side action, wouldn't you, on a football field? I mean, there was a couple of moments in their demo which were kind of redolent <laughs> of a bygone era. Um, mm. One was the gag about, uh, he made a gag about betting on, like, Tuck. Michael Tuck, I think, was in the ruck. That's and right. And making a bet, I think, about who was going to win the toss or something of that That's nature. Right. Just has a little That's giggle. Right. Something which would score him 16 games out. These days, and the other one was quote uh, remembering some of the the jocular byplay in the rooms. Quote guys cutting holes in your underpants and all that. The sort of no- <laughs> the sort of norm stuff we can't mention. Was it wasn't the women's <laughs> underwear gag that he? Um, well, that was another one. Yeah, the women's underwear was that it was at Tony Shaw's bag. They stuck yeah. a couple of pairs of women's underwear in his training bag for Tony's wife to find after an interstate chuckle. trip. Yeah. I yeah. think Bev. Always, um, always, a, always, a, always a fun one. Bit of explaining to do, Tony. Brennan McCarthy's highlight Mrs. was Mrs. Dacos. That's uh, Phyllis. I said, I'm getting a tattoo. She said, what? I said, Peter, please don't put tattoo. Mom, I'm going to get tattoo. And I said, please, I don't want to see tattoo on your body. And I said, oh, fair enough. And I said, actually, the boys are just going to get a little magpie on their leg. She said, yeah. She must have even contemplated getting one of herself. She said, yeah, go for it. You know, so I jumped out of bed and me and my and I thought, beauty. 
That's the that's the classic scene where you can see Dakes pull up his acid wash Levi's mm. to reveal the uh, the, the little magpie. magpie tattoo. That's right. That's right. Classic. And I think they did all get them. I think the whole nine ninety team got. I don't think they all. No, they didn't. All, they didn't all oh. get them. This is this is an interesting tidbit. We'd be interested um, to find out who did and didn't. Yeah, let's. let's we should let's have asked more. Mm, mm. So, Damo, if you look at the narrative, we kind of build up towards the nine ninety grand final. There's some terrific insights into the big day itself. I loved it when he said that before the game, he walked past the Essendon rooms, and there was a sea of streamers. And I remember saying to myself, good, he said, because the Collingwood rooms after so many near misses and heartaches were not jazzed up at all. Um, mm, and he, he right. saw that as an indication of, you know, the, the Pies players being ready for business, knocking ahead of themselves. Mm. Yeah, you love, you love to hear, you love those little, that little, those little mind games where it's like, yeah, I, I remember Lee Matthews, I think that was, uh, there was an interview that he had where under strict instructions, this, I want this to be like any other game. So don't, no fanfare, mm. no streamers, no signs, no nothing. Yeah, interesting. He mentioned what Morph mentioned, which was that Lee did a really good job of getting the players back, their minds back in the game after the brawl. Mm. But Dakes found himself down the wrong end of the ground and, and conveniently didn't look up until he was near where the huddle was meant to be to discover there was a uh, fight on. And by the time he got there, I think it would fizzled out. So it's probably not a bad thing because we certainly didn't want to lose our star player. Mm. Um, but one thing that stayed with me after 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 rewatching Dagos Magic was just the celebrations. I mean, almost the most euphoric part, you know, along with seeing that, that exquisite skill set was the photos of the, the, the pictures of the victory lap, um, that famous photo which I always associate with the 990 Premiership of Shane Kerrison in utter feminine glee in the mm. foreground, like holding up the yeah. cup. Yeah. And just Collingwood, you know, the the fantastic bit of voiceover from Eddie, maybe a little bit over the top, but just now he said Collingwood had erupted in scenes of joy unseen since the end of the war. Mm. Not, not, <laughs> not enough references to World yeah. War II Malt, these days. Malthousian, wasn't it? So good. That night at the Southern Cross Hotel, where the official dinner was being held, word was coming back that Collingwood had erupted in scenes of joy unseen since the end of the war in the streets of Melbourne. Scenes that exploded when the team arrived back at Victoria Park. And coming through and just looking at the scenes, I mean, it was very hard getting through the crowd and then getting up on the stage, looking out at the sea of people, it was just out of this world. I mean, uh, I always sort of, one dream of mine was always to be in a rock group and... I mean, that was the closest thing I've ever sort of experienced to to to, to being in in a, in a group, I suppose. But the scenes were unbelievable, and, and I, I sort of can still picture the faces and the guys and, uh, and and having taken it all in, something that has stayed with me for a long time. The scenes yeah. of Vic Park, those famous scenes, which is in mm. our intro, of course, mm. 188,000 cans consumed. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, it was just scenes of joy um, and pandemonium. I mean. How someone was not killed or trampled to death that night, or you know, laid, well, laid alcohol, laid alcohol yeah. poisoning. Oh, crazy! But um, mm. just a it's different a real, era. A real time capsule as well for footy fashion at the time. Now, I don't know if you picked up on this, but a lot of the B roll. So there's like a couple of shots, a couple of things that just stuck out for me is 
One, there's this shot of this young lady with Ray-Bans on and has the classic old 90s magpies uh, yeah. headband. Headband, yeah. Which we'll get, we'll, we'll dig this out and we'll post it on socials because it's it's just a sight to behold. If someone can bring those back, that would be, and that would be huge. That, and those two ladies cheering on with a massive hair. Yeah, the hair. Fourth the, quarter, the, just pom- fantastic. The pumped up hair. There's, there's a great shot of a guy in the crowd, a young guy wearing a um, Raiders Letterman style jacket, like straight out of NWA um, style with a headband on. Nice. Standing on, standing on the seats, fist pumping. As we mentioned, Dacos's acid wash jeans, the the weird crazy white shirt, stands three inch inseams. It's just it's just a really time great, capsule, like a little snapshot of of um you know what it was like to to live. And I think Stan's rocking the YSL polo, the Yves Saint Laurent I'll polo. Tell you what, so how about mi- a, mixing upscale with downscale? How about a pie hard? How about we bring back uh, the headband, pie hard headband, or Dacos magic? Headband because I think I, I think a headband. We've got another would, 10, 12, 14 years of of Dacos in us at this rate with the chosen one. <laughs> so I think a headband could be the way to go. I think it's a fantastic idea. I'd 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 rock it. I'd for one rock it. Well, that was Dacos magic. Is a trip down memory lane. Um, uh, it it's evergreen. It never gets old. If you haven't had the chance to to watch it, all you have to do is go and find the um the video on YouTube. Which is uh, misspelt Pata Pata Dacos, uploaded by West Coast Eagles Rock, which is curious. Mm. Um, but there is a shot of Peter Sumich missing missing that goal, so maybe that's the link. Yeah, and I just I found that you can actually see in the in the notes of the uploaded video they actually call out the track. So the track was called "Fanfare for a Champion" by Server Mali, um, album TMCD One Thousand and One Industrial Themes. Wow. So really leaning into that industrial prog rock um, spirit of the era. It's fantastic. Check it out. Um, not too late. If you if you want to if you want to watch it and send in your um, favorite moments, do it. But this was a great suggestion, Alex. I enjoyed. Uh, thank you for the homework. It wasn't the week off we expected, Damo, but we get on with a bit of culture anyway. Oh, that's what we do at Pie Hard now. So remember, always if you can. Like Pie Hard, follow us, subscribe. We're at Pie Hard Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, yeah, it wasn't the show we expected to have. This was just going to be thirty, a hard 30 on Dacos Magic, but uh, with everything that's going on, we've got to give you the Pie Hard perspective on that. So we'll be back next week. Um, keep it locked to Pie Hard. Alex, thanks so much for that delightful walk down memory lane. Here's to Collingwood being in the headlines for all the right reasons. Um, towards the latter half of this week. It just mm-hmm. it'd be nice to have some football back, won't it? Yeah. Just this we don't that's the beauty of this season is we've enjoyed on field. Last yeah. season was off field. Not yeah. enjoying. It was a torrid time. This season's on field. Let's get back to that. All right, let's bring it. Let's bring it against the Giants on Sunday. This is pie hard. With the pain in his feet and his heart overcome, Dacos was again free to do what he does best and that is play football.